This is LEC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. This journey, we are looking at the life of Joseph in pursuit of understanding what God's purpose and what God's destiny is for each of our lives. Last week we talked about the topic of when your family is your enemy. When your family is the problem. When you maybe grew up in a home or in an environment where you did not get affirmation, you did not get love and encouragement, you did not see the Lord Jesus Christ exampled in the home. How do you overcome that? How do you live beyond that and we talked about the fact that Joseph grew up in a very dysfunctional home and yet somehow his heart was captured by God and he decided that his family would not be the determining factor with his faith walk with God and we talked about that and we prayed over our loved ones and you filled out cards and they were prayed over Tuesday and Thursday of this week every one of them and we're believing God for the salvation of your your family. We're going to look this morning at another of those pieces. This message is entitled Betrayal. Betrayal. And you're going to say, well, what's all that got? What's, what's our family and betrayal got to do with God's purpose and destiny? It has everything to do with it. Because these elements that happen, these things that take place in your life, some of you have been marked by the relationships that you've had. And they become hindrances and stumbling blocks that prevent you from chasing after God with all of your heart. You've been hurt or you've been damaged in some way. You, you've been emotionally scarred. You've been laden down with, with unforgiveness and, and the kind of things that keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Now last week we learned that everybody has a family but everybody's family is not as good as you think. It's not where you came from that really matters. It's where you're going. That's what God's concerned about. Where you're going in your life. What does God want for you? And how do you live the kind of life that honors God in spite of all the stuff you've had to live through? And it's remarkable when you think about it with some of you. I mean, knowing a little bit about your story, it's remarkable that you've got a sane mind. It's remarkable that you have survived the challenges and difficulties, the hurts, the disappointments, the grief, the brokenness. In fact, all week long, I've, I've been thinking about this idea of how the brokenness of your life impacts who you are. And in fact, let's, let's, be, let's be real, we're all broken at some level. All of us. We may not admit it, but we are. We're broken. And we need healing. And that's what I'm asking God to do today. And I realize that this message this morning is going to get very close to some very tender places in your heart. So I need you to hear me and understand, I think you do, especially if you know me, that my desire this morning is simply to be helpful, to point you to somebody who loves you way more than I do and who wants to help you take that next step. So let's bow our heads to pray. 
I really do need your help today, God. As we go down this road, I, I just know that the right things need to be said. And they need to be said in the right way. So would you grace these moments with an anointing that is simply able to speak into the lives of people that are sitting here today. I trust you for that. I believe you for miracles in this house. I believe you, God, that you are at work in ways that we have no idea, just like you were with Joseph. So I pray that you will be glorified today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand for the reading of God's word in Genesis chapter 37. We're going to read beginning with verse 18. You, you remember, hopefully you remember last week, that Joseph is one of 12 sons born to Jacob. He loves him because he is the child of the woman that he considers to be his forever love she passes away he has just these two boys Joseph and Benjamin from that relationship and there is such a special favoritism so that it drives a wedge in this family and they he gives Joseph a coat the Bible said of many colors so this coat becomes sort of a symbol that dad loves Joseph more than he loves me and, and we read the text last week in the first part of this chapter that his brothers hate him. Not they don't like him, they just hate him. You need to remember that because what we're, gonna, we're about to read, start in verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns which is a hole in the ground, an old dried out well. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. How diabolical. Brothers. But when Reuben, that's one of the brothers, heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue and said, let's not kill him. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness, then he will die without our laying hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. Verse 23, So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. They grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of his Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah, another brother, said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'll have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to these Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. 
Now, before you sit down, let me read it again. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him down to Egypt. You can be seated. Have you ever... Have you ever been so mad at somebody or hated them so much that you wanted to hurt them? Don't point, please. You ever thought to yourself, if I, you know, if I could just, I remember one time the two boys that I raised, they were such rivals. And the oldest boy had the temperament that he always tried to be a peacemaker, and his brother was an, his younger brother was an instigator. He was always provoking his brother. His brother loved to have everything orderly, and so he didn't want his mother to, to fold his clothes. Just take the hamper to my room, and he would fold his own clothes because there was a way that he wanted his clothes folded and a way that he wanted them stored in the drawer, in his chest drawers. And so he would fold them meticulously, put them in there. And then while he was asleep, his younger brother would come in and just mess it all up. I remember one time I was in my room and the older son was probably 12 at the time. He came into the room and he said, he just seethed him. He said, Dad, please, please, Dad, I'm just asking you one, just give me one shot. I just, I think if I could just, if I get one shot in, that's all. I just, I said, no, you're not going to hit your brother. Come on, Dad, please, just give me the one shot. You ever had somebody in your life like that? You just, you just wanted to do something to them because they drove you crazy. Maybe you despised them so much that you didn't even want to be around them. Now, what we're reading here in this text, there's evil in the air. These boys have reached a boiling point where there is not really anything that anybody can do to change their mind. They hate their brother. They despise Joseph. And what they are about to do here is going to mark their life and their father for more than 22 years. In fact... The ripple effect of the decision that they're about to make that I read to you was more than just about them. If you just go through it, an entire nation is going to be impacted by the decisions and the actions that these brothers are about to take. And I just feel obligated. I, I just have to say this, that that's the way sin is. In the moment, it doesn't feel like it's that bad. It doesn't feel like it harms too many people. It doesn't seem to mean much if I'm just drinking or just doing this or just going there or just lying about this or just making this decision. But what we don't realize is that that act has a ripple that carries on sometimes for generations to come. Now there may not be any stronger emotion in the world than betrayal. It's deep and it's painful and it doesn't go away very quickly. And, and I know while I'm talking about this, some of you are already feeling the tension rise up because you've lived through betrayal. You've lived with betrayal, some of you your whole life, others of you only recently, but, but you know what that feels like. 
You understand what Joseph is feeling. Maybe it went something like this. You stood before a whole church full of people. They looked you straight in the eye and told you they would love you for the rest of their life so long as they lived. And now they're telling you they love somebody else. That's betrayal. Or maybe you spent a lifetime, decades, faithfully working for a company, helping them to grow their profits and be something notable. And now the company's been sold and the new owners are downsizing operations and your job was cut. And you're having to work two jobs to replace the income. As far as I'm concerned, that's called betrayal. Or maybe you let down your guard. You were absolutely sure that both parties understood that what you were about to share was confidential. It was deeply personal. And you took the risk and you told your friend, please don't share this. But they did. And now everyone knows and your humiliation is significant. It's called betrayal. See, the resulting hurt and frustration that you feel, it strains you. And whether you realize it or not, one of the reasons your life is so difficult is you're trying to manage the feelings of your betrayal. And for some of you who've never experienced that or any of the other ways that I just described, you may say, well, what was such a big deal? Okay, let's stop and think about it. Here's what they did. They sold their brother to slavery. That's what they did. They sold their brother to slavery. In fact, the Bible said they wanted to kill their brother. That's how diabolical it was. Now, now I've got a brother. He's 10 years my younger, and we've had our moments, Channing, but I've never wanted to kill him. I've wanted to punch his brains out a time or two, but I never wanted to kill him. They sold their brother into slavery. Not only did they sell their brother into slavery, they lied to their daddy. They told their father that Joseph was killed by an animal and in doing so, they put their father into 22 years of unnecessary grief. They put their father into grief that he never had to go through. He had already lived through the trauma of his wife's passing. Now he's living through the trauma that Joseph is dead when in fact Joseph actually isn't dead. Not only that, but they destroyed their brother's life. This young boy that had grown up without his mother because she died and only his other his full brother Benjamin and the other parts of the family he's no longer with them anymore as we will see he's going to live the next 13 years of his life in a downward spiral vortex that's going to take him to the darkest places of one's heart they did that to him it was betrayal at the highest form they betrayed their brother and why did they do it because they were jealous of his relationship with their father if they had a problem, it was with their daddy. It wasn't with Joseph. Joseph was the unwitting victim of brothers who hated him because they despised their father. And Joseph bore the brunt of that experience. Here's a couple things I want you to remember, and that is simply this, that betrayal is not easily forgotten. You ever had somebody tell you when you're talking about how much you hurt, they'll just say, you just got to get over that. 
Don't you want to just walk away? You've got to get over that. Well, I, I'm trying. That's what I want to say a lot of times. I'm trying. Just be patient with me here. Maybe not as sanctified as you are. Just give me some time. I'm trying. So, betrayal is not easily forgotten. And here's something else. Broken trust is very difficult to overcome. If you ever have somebody break your trust, you understand what I'm saying. You try. You forgive. You try to move on. But there's always that nagging thing back there in the back when trust is broken. That's why the marriage covenant is so strong with God. It's why God believes so strongly. Because when you break the trust of somebody that you promised to do something for, it's so difficult to overcome. So difficult to overcome. Many, many years ago, I had a young foster daughter in our home and and she was a part of the Church of God's Orphanage program. And we, we had fallen in love with Angie. And we, we decided to invite Angie into our home. And I remember the many, many nights that I would sit with Angie. And we would talk about this struggle that she had to get over the fact that her mother did not want her. That at some point her mother said, I don't want you. I'm moving on with my life. And she and her sister were dropped off at an orphanage. And she spent those early years trying to figure out, was there something I did wrong? Was there something if I'd have done differently, my mother would have loved me? Some of you know that. Some of you understand that. Maybe you had a father walk off or, or a, a mother to walk off. Or maybe you were raised in an environment where you never felt that and you feel the deep sense of hurt from the broken trust. A vow was broken and it wasn't easy to get over. So if you have ever been betrayed, I think you have to make two choices. Here's the first one. You have to decide whether you're going to be bitter or you're going to be better. Now, you can't help what people do to you, but you can determine what you do with what you are after they do it to you. You can live a life of bitterness and you can allow bitterness to destroy you and mess you up for the rest of your life and you can blame it on everybody. Or you can decide, as Joseph decided, that his brothers could not take what God had already promised. What God had already promised was his no matter what his brothers decided to do. And he simply chose that he wasn't going to be bitter. He was going to be better. Now, during the years as I've studied Joseph's life, I've come to accept or decide that what Joseph experienced was a bruise. You know what a bruise is? A bruise where the skin doesn't break, but it bleeds just as much. And underneath the skin, there's a discolorization that takes place that reminds you that there's a wound there that has to heal. It's kind of like fruit. When a piece of fruit falls out of the bowl and hits the floor, sometimes you can look at that fruit and you don't see it. You don't understand it, but if you peel back the skin, you can see the juices flowing because the, the, the fruit has been bruised. So you put it back in the bowl and you act like nothing happened. And you know what happens over time? That bruising takes over that apple. And all of a sudden it begins to change colors. 
and that green apple becomes brown. And eventually if you leave it there, it will rot all the way to the core. In fact, if you leave it touching other fruit, it will affect some of the other fruit that it's touching. And isn't that a good way to describe what happens when we've suffered the trauma and the heartache of a deep bruise? That if we don't allow God to heal that, if we don't find a way to move on, then what happens is we start rotting on the inside. At first, we don't even recognize it. We don't even realize it's taking place. But it starts showing up in the way that we talk. It starts showing up in the way that we treat people. It starts showing up in the way that we carry our life. The outlook that we have for the future. We have to be healed from the bruises that we have. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Jesus said it. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to heal them that are bruised. And I just came to tell somebody in this room this morning that no matter what your bruising has been, no matter what you've gone through in your life, there is a Savior who is willing this morning to start the journey to set you free from the bruising that has gone on in your life. You have to decide if you're going to be bitter or you're going to be better. You know, sometimes you don't even realize how harsh and condescending you've become. How your life has been affected by what happened to you. Just operating out of your heart and your hurt. You find yourself treating people differently and they didn't even hurt you. But they catch the brunt of your frustration because the bruising has affected the way that you are. Here's the second thing you have to decide. You have to decide whether or not you believe God is in control or not. Because if God is not in control, we're all in trouble. But the good news is God is in control. And nothing's happened to you that God did not know. No matter how, much, how secret it was. I know we don't like to talk about it, but there are people who get abused by their loved ones, their parents, their uncles. And they think nobody knows. God knows. I said God knows. And you may have lived under an announcement from someone that says, if you ever tell what I did, and so you live in fear that if the secret came out, there would be repercussions, but I'm telling you, God knows. God knows what happened in that closet. God knows what happened in that room. God knows what happened in that car. God knows. And God doesn't intend for you to live your life in fear. He doesn't intend for you to live your life in a place where your bruising takes away the joy. Jesus didn't come to this earth so you could live in a frustrated, difficult life. He came that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. I feel the holy presence of God in this room. Notice what the Bible says in Isaiah 49 verses 13 through 16. It will be on the screen, I believe. It says, shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth in the joyful shouting, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion says, talking about us, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And the prophet says, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even if these should forget, 
I will not forget you. Some of you needed to hear it. I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hand and your walls are continually before me. The hurts that you've experienced, the things that you've gone through, you need to hear me this morning. God's got you. He's had you all along in the darkest places, in the worst places. He understood, he saw, he felt, he's connected, and he's ready to help you this morning. You have to make that step, that decision, that you decide that God is in control, that God ultimately is in control, and I'm going to live with faith in him. So if you've been betrayed, in any fashion or form. What do you do? You know, sometimes I, I worry that we come into church and we, we talk about these things and people think, well, that sounds really good when you're preaching it, but it's a lot different living out there on the street. And it is sometimes. But when you've been betrayed, when you've been hurt, and when you've been deeply hurt, what do you do? Well, I want to offer you two things and then we're done. Number one, tell God about it. Tell God about it. Find a place and pour it all out. You say, well, I've already done it. Well, tell him again. Tell God about it. The other day I was driving in our community. I was visiting with some of the shut-ins in our church and I was praying and talking to God about this and I said God you know sometimes when we sometimes when we when we come to you it feels like it's redundant that we've said these words over and over to you already and the thought came to me that he loves to hear it because every time you tell him, you're positioning yourself as needing him. I need you. I can't carry this load anymore. I can't carry this weight anymore. I can't carry this anymore in my life. I, I need you, so I'm just going to tell you about it again. You know, sometimes finding resolution is not easy. But the emotion of your hurt has to go somewhere. If you just simply try to reflect it back on your critics, then you're just playing to their game. If you bottle it up on the inside, you're going to develop ulcers or depression. Or maybe you've decided that you're just going to dump it on somebody who is completely unrelated to the situation. That only complicates things. So the better answer, I think, is, is to just tell it to the Lord. Pastor Andy Stanley wrote this the other day, and I thought it was so appropriate. He said, the only healthy and profitable thing to do is to pour out your heart to the Heavenly Father. After all, He knows what is in your heart anyway. And He's been around. He can handle the venting. And He's honored when we take our deepest frustrations and hurts to him. 
To do so is simply an expression of our trust in the Lord. Here's the second thing you have to do, and that is tell somebody you trust. You say, well, that's what got me in trouble the first time. Okay, I, I buy that. But try it again. Because here's what I'm promising you, that not everybody is like the person who hurt you. Not everybody wants to hurt you. And I recognize this morning that what I'm describing here means that you have to take a chance. You have to risk it. But pray about inviting somebody to help you carry the load. And let me just stop right here and say this, and I'm almost done. If somebody invites you to help carry the load, God help you if you betray them. Don't share it. Don't share it. Let's go back to Joseph as we wrap it up. Come on, Brother Jerome. I think there's a couple things to remember about what happened to Joseph. First of all, he never allowed what his brothers did to make him a bitter person. 22 years passed, and he came out of that experience healthier than he was because he simply did not allow what his brothers did to make him somebody he did not want to be. I'm going to say it again. He refused to allow what his brothers did to make him into somebody he did not want to be. Here's the second thing. Joseph refused to be slave to his hurt. And I wondered about that. In fact, as much as anything, I wondered about that. Joseph refused to be slave to his hurt. What he decided was, what those guys did was awful. But I'm not letting myself be enslaved by it. Have you ever met anybody who's been enslaved by their hurt? It's all they can talk about. Everything that they do is defined by what happened. If my daddy, if my brother, if my mama, if I had not been raped, if I had not been molested. I once met with a man one time whose father stole all of the money that he had. He went to the bank to get the money out to send his kid to college and found out that his own father had forged his name and withdrawn all of the money that he had saved for his children's college. Problem was, his dad is dead. How do you fix that? Well, the woman that walked up in a service one night fell on the altar and began to pray and when I got to talking to her she told me that when she was a little girl her father came into her room one night and did something really awful to her. They never talked about it. 
He never threatened her, but they never talked about it. She told me later, she said, I, I didn't want my dad to go to jail. I didn't want there to be problems in our home. I just never talked about it. But as I became an adult, it just kept lingering. It kept defining me. It kept noticing that I couldn't get away from it. She said, I went to my father's funeral the day that he died. And she said, when everybody had walked away from the casket that morning, I, I leaned over into that casket and I said to my never told me that you were sorry. That's all I ever wanted was dad to tell me you're sorry. She said, while you were preaching tonight, she said, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Charlotte, your father's never going to tell you that he's sorry that he was. And she said, I've got to move on. I can't, I can't raise my children in this environment. I can't live a slave I know what I'm about to ask you is hard. That's why I needed the Lord's help to make sure that the language is right. But what I'm saying to you this morning is it's time to lay it down. It's time to lay it down and walk on. You say, Pastor, that's hard. Yep, it's going to be hard. But we know a God who is big enough strong enough, able enough to give you the strength to walk on. If your life doesn't if your life doesn't have to be defined anymore by where you've been. It ought to be defined by where you're going. The people that hurt you blood of Jesus Christ the power of Calvary's cross the amazing presence of God defines who you are Joseph got past it Stella you know how I know that he did Genesis 41 verse 51 says this after Joseph has been down in Egypt for years now decades have passed he's not seen his family his wife had a boy. He named that boy Manasseh, which means the Lord made me forget all the trouble my father goes through. The Lord made me forget. Now, does he actually forget? I mean, does he not remember what his brothers did? Of course he does. Because when they come, he's going to talk to them about it. What it means is this. It can't hurt me anymore. That's what it means. You'll always remember. You'll always be able to trace the steps of what happened. But it can't hold you back anymore. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. You are the property of a holy God. He's calling for you to walk on it. To lay it down. And walk on. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
maybe you're in the room this morning and you say, I don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Maybe you sit here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And you know that you need one. You need to come clean with God about your life. We say it almost every week here at Lakeview. Jesus Christ died so that you could be free from your sin. And it's so easy. You simply accept that you are a sinner. You believe that Jesus died for your sins. And you confess your sins and you tell God you're sorry. And the moment that you do, the very moment that you tell God you're sorry, He's forgiven you. And it's a clean slate. Start over. Every sin you've ever committed, every evil thing you've ever done, everything that you've ever committed in your life is completely wiped away in that single moment that you genuinely and sincerely ask God. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.